almost every day I get multiple phone calls from Americans who want to immigrate to Canada. Tonight, looking north, the huge increase in interest from Americans looking to move to Canada. Plus, my body, my choice. Unmasking a movement, the protest by people who don't like masks, and survivor send off. A BC doctor's narrow escape from COVID 19. Now, his message to the rest of us. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. An Abbotsford police officer is fighting for his life tonight after an assault in the West Kootenay. Abbotsford police say it happened in, the Nel- in Nelson while the officer was off duty Thursday. Nelson police say it appears a man was causing a disturbance in the 600 block of Baker Street when the 55-year-old victim approached him and an altercation ensued. The Abbotsford officer suffered life-threatening injuries and remains in hospital in critical condition. A 26-year-old man has been arrested. Abbotsford police are expected to release more information tomorrow. Since late March, when the Canada-U.S. border was closed to non-essential travel, traffic into our country has dropped by about 90 percent. But Americans are still crossing, and immigration experts say more and more of them want to stay for good. Kristen Robinson has more. As Canadians and Americans straddle the line at State Park, it appears many on the south side are eyeing greener pastures. You have the numbers, please? Because I heard we had the best mortality rate. As coronavirus continues to surge across the U.S., with more than 3.7 million cases and 140,000 deaths. They're looking at Canada as almost a safe haven. In recent weeks, immigration lawyers on both sides of the border tracking the same trend. The definite increase in Americans wanting to move to Canada. These are Americans who either have spouses in Canada or they have uh, fiancés or partners or they have possible claims to Canadian citizenship through a parent. And I would say, you know, a, a sizable uptick. Mark Belanger says many Americans who were in Canada prior to the pandemic visiting family or spending time with their partners are now seeking permanent resident status or work permits. So it's much more difficult to get work status in Canada as opposed to going through the family stream. Meantime, land border crossings from the U.S. are increasing. In early April, 107,000 people entered Canada. Three months later, 172,000, a 60% spike, although still an almost 90% drop from the same time last year. Even after the border opens, I think this is a trend that's going to continue indefinitely. You have chosen this day to celebrate. Peace Arch weddings also suddenly popular. Tying the knot is the ticket to a future in Canada for many cross-border couples. Now you see it on a daily basis, so it's definitely increasing. I've basically become a wedding coordinator to many people. For those who can't meet in the middle... Belanger is investigating the potential for legally binding Zoom marriages, recognized by both U.S. and Canadian immigration authorities. This could be the new era of virtual marriages to sponsor your spouse. Kristen Robinson, Global News.
Since the border closure, more than 10,300 Americans have been denied entry to Canada because their travel has been deemed non-essential. U.S. citizens turned away were attempting to cross by land, rail, sea or air between the end of March and early this month. Nearly 3,000 Americans were denied entry for tourism or sightseeing, followed by more than 1,000 for recreation reasons and nearly 600 for shopping. 5,500 U.S. citizens were turned back for other reasons not detailed by Canada Border Services. There is irrefutable scientific proof that wearing a face mask helps reduce the spread of COVID-19. Dr. Bonnie Henry strongly recommends it, especially when physical distancing isn't possible. Still, there are those who can wear a mask but won't. And today, some of them held protests. Paul Johnson has more. The government is lying to us! Can we defeat the novel coronavirus if we can't even agree on basic facts about the disease? I believe in freedom of choice. That may be the most straightforward view heard at Sunday's rally for freedom from masks in Vancouver. Ask more questions though, it gets more complicated. When you wear a mask also it depletes your oxygen levels. Some think wearing a mask can actually harm you. Dana told us mask wearing can lead to this. Your body starts to develop cancer. The cells start to break down. That is not a view, though, supported by anyone in the mainstream medical community or any of Canada's public health officials. Masks are safe to wear. They do not cause you to become hypoxic. They do not increase your risk of, of keeping viruses or bacteria or other things in. Um, you know, they do not exacerbate uh, asthma or other lung conditions. Many of the people we talked here today say they don't believe any of the information coming either from the mainstream media or from official government sources. And they think directives about wearing masks are part of a global conspiracy involving Bill Gates to try to create a world government. Bill Gates, with his money, he controls now the World Health Organization. What have you been? Look around you. Where is the carnage? No one is dying. We are fine. Freedom! So what are these alternate sources of information that are more accurate than government and professional journalists? Where are you getting these facts from? So, for one thing, Q is a good, QMap.pub is a great source of information. QAnon, an online movement that purports to have sources deep inside the military and intelligence community. Well, none of that's proven, it's persuasive enough to make many reject the official consensus about COVID-19. As a scam, they're too smart to fall for. In Vancouver, Paul Johnson, Global News. Legislative Bureau Chief Keith Baldry joins us now from Victoria. Keith, before we get into the topic, any comments about mask wearing? Uh, boy, well, I've talked to Bonnie Henry a lot about this, as of other reporters. Uh, look, wear a mask if you can't keep your physical distance. I mean, these are the top two rules from public health officials. And I don't care how many COVID idiots uh, gather in marches like that and, and subscribe to conspiracy theories and such. Folks, if you go with that crowd, you're going to be in a world of hurt potentially if you get this virus. Provincial update in three days uh, tomorrow. What are we expecting mm-hmm. to hear? 
Yeah, it's going to be a very interesting briefing tomorrow, Colleen, on a number of fronts. Uh, first of all, we're going to get some new modeling from Dr. Bonnie Henry. We've had modeling in the past, of course, uh, on a number of occasions. And this points out things, uh, the source of infections and, and the location of infections. I think we have a graphic that uh, sort of walks us through that. Uh, so more modeling. As well, we're going to get our first glimpse at the preliminary results from that survey that more than 300,000 people took out, measuring the impact of COVID-19 on a number of fronts. And tomorrow, especially on young people who have been hit the hardest by this because they're in the service industry. They've had a disproportionate huge amount of job loss and that's affected their mental health. As well, we're going to get an update on that Kelowna exposure event. Right now, the last number we had of infections, 35. That will undoubtedly grow in number. We're going to get a new number tomorrow. And speaking of numbers, we're going to get that three-day total. Uh, and it's going to be interesting, Colleen, whether the results continue to what we've been seeing recently is the daily average of more than 20 cases a day. We've been tracking at around 10. Now we're at more than 20, uh, 28 on Friday, so it will be interesting. In any event, of course, we'll be carrying that, uh, that uh, briefing as we always do on BC1. Then I'll be on BC1 with you, and we'll go through it point by point tomorrow. That's I at will, 3 o'clock. I will see you then. Thanks, Keith. Okay. The owner of a popular racetrack in the Okanagan has written a personal letter to Dr. Bonnie Henry pleading with her to allow more than 50 people into the stands. On July 4th, the Penticton Speedway held its first race of the season. The owner says about 1,500 people attended with the blessing from Interior Health and WorkSafe BC. But a few days later, he received a notice that he could no longer host that many spectators. We had our first event and everything uh, went pretty well in my opinion. And then um, somebody upper interior health or provincial government decided, no, it's an event, so you can only have 50 people in the stands. The owner says much like grocery stores and golf courses, he too can ensure people are at least six feet apart given the amount of space on his 22-acre property. Interior Health says like all venues in the province looking to host live events, the Penticton Speedway must adhere to a 50-person limit as set out in the provincial health officer order for mass gathering events. So the Speedway events will go ahead without any spectators. A virtual music festival in B.C. has been postponed following allegations of sexual violence. U.K. performer Billy Kenny was accused of sexual assault on social media last week by an Edmonton woman in an incident said to have taken place three years ago. Other claims have also been made against him. Kenny was set to be included in the Shambhala Music Festival virtual lineup July 23rd to July 25th. The festival has responded on Twitter saying, in light of allegations against past and present artists on our performance roster, we recognize that forms of sexual violence exist in our society and we need to take accountability for the role festivals play in this. The industry needs to change. We need to change. In a post on his Facebook account that's, that's since been deleted, Billy Kenny writes, At th that point in my life, when these events were reported to have happened, I will be the first to admit I was out of control. My behavior during that period three years ago was unacceptable and inconsistent with who I am today. The festival has been running since 1998 in the small West Kootenay village of Salmo. For years, BC Ferries has provided priority boarding for those traveling for critical medical appointments, most of the time to and from the Lower Mainland. It's an annual pass program, but a Vancouver Island family that relies on the passes every month says changes to the program mean they'll have to apply for priority loading every time they have an appointment. And as Sarah McDonald reports, that's not easy. 
Just a few months after the Schaefer family moved to Vancouver Island, life as they knew it changed in an instant when their now nine-year-old son Caden was diagnosed with end-stage renal failure or kidney disease. We just noticed our son was retaining water, very lethargic, no energy. Then a few years later, another blow. The same, same things happened to our daughter at three and a half. We took him to the doctors and everything just blew up all at once. Those doctors and specialists are mostly based in Vancouver, as is the treatment both Caden and his sister Karis need frequently. Which means riding the ferries for this family is a regular occurrence. And an inconvenience made just a bit easier by the BC Ferries Medical Assured Loading Program, which ensures reduced wait times at terminals for patients traveling by personal vehicle in need of urgent care. Only eligible patients are approved for the program, which used to issue letters good for a full year. That has since changed. We were informed at the booth that they're no longer accepting these letters, nor are they no longer giving them out. The program is still operational, but the protocol is different. Doctors must now make the request on behalf of their patients every time a letter is required. Extended passes can be issued so long as the dates of future appointments are provided, something that often isn't practical, especially with COVID-related complications. We don't have the financial means to constantly pay for reservations to to get to the ferries, to get to the mainland. BC Ferries says the change in protocol is meant to ensure the program is being used for its intended purpose. It's very hard now. We just don't need the extra stressors of going across when we're not vacationing. For this family, all it means is one more thing to worry about, aside from the health of their chronically ill kids. Sarah McDonald, Global News. Search and rescue volunteers across the province are responding to a growing number of backcountry rescues right now, including this weekend. One of the latest was the rescue of two climbers from the Lions Bay area. They took a wrong turn and ended up stuck overnight on the northeast ridge of the West Lion, a dangerously steep alpine area. They were able to call for help due to their altitude and tied themselves to the ridge while awaiting for help to arrive. This morning, rescuers long-lined them out. There have been at least 26 rescues in B.C. since Friday. When I was talking to the, uh, the Rescue Coordination Centre, Emergency Management BC, they told me they had 16 calls in the one day yesterday, and that was up from 10 the day before. So it just seems to be an explosion of uh, rescue calls right now. Complicating this rescue, the long-line rescues prevent the use of masks or other protective equipment on the climbers. Victoria's mayor is taking a break from Twitter after she says recent posts prompted unrelated backlash. After sharing a good news economic story on social media Friday, followed by a photo of community installation art yesterday, Help says that she was inundated with comments about homelessness, tenting and her performance as mayor. Help says that reaction is a disservice to business and citizen-led efforts in the capital city. So she deactivated her Twitter account so she won't be distracted, promising to be back, quote, when the time feels right. 
from masks to physical distancing for one BC couple, there is no debate about following COVID-19 safety measures. Dr. Greg Phillips and his husband, Matt Pettigrew, are now able to enjoy life at home after the doctor spent more than 100 days in hospital battling the virus. As Grace Key reports, their life-threatening ordeal has them issuing an important message. It's been 16 weeks since Greg Phillips was first admitted to hospital. Today, he's still recovering from the damage done to his body due to COVID. I was the first at Lionsgate in the ICU. I was the last to leave. After a trip to Dallas in March, Greg and his husband tested positive for COVID. They thought Matt would be the worst off because he suffers from a chronic inflammatory lung disease. But Greg, the healthy 59-year-old family doctor with no serious health issues, was hit hard. The last message that he got from me that I don't remember saying was a text saying, they're going to intubate me and I'm scared. I didn't even get to hug him. I didn't get to say goodbye to him. Greg's right vocal cord is paralyzed, likely from six weeks of intubation. He had a tracheotomy. He has reduced function in one arm and suffers from permanent lung damage. When I was in ICU, I had kidney failure, had to be dialyzed. My heart went into an abnormal rhythm. I had to be zapped. Um, At least three times. I had systemic infections. I was on antibiotics. For virtually the entire time. The entire time. Greg lost 90 pounds and after 70 days was finally out of ICU. Greg spent 35 days in recovery, slowly regaining his strength. After 105 days in hospital, he was finally allowed to go home. This is real. And that people need to be smart. They need to wear masks if they're going to be in a group. They need to take proper precautions and wash and that. Because if it can fell a healthy 59-year-old, it can do that to anyone. Today, Greg needs a walker for balance. All his food needs to be pureed. Even his water needs to be thickened. He regained about 10 pounds and his voice is 30% back to normal. I've come a long way. I still have a long way to go. Grace Key, Global News. More now on a breaking story we first brought you last night. Police in Alberta say a bus that shuttles visitors to and from the Columbia ice fields outside of Jasper went off the road yesterday and rolled before eventually stopping. Three people were killed and two dozen others injured. Tonight, we're learning more about the victims and the tremendous effort to rescue them. Well, you can still see the off-road tour vehicle that rolled Saturday afternoon near the Columbia ice fields behind me. 27 people were on board at the time. According to RCMP, the shuttle was in the Athabasca Valley around 1 p.m. First responders from all over the area responded, including Jasper, Banff, Canmore, Lake Louise, Hinton, Rocky Mountain House, and Nordic. People who were injured were taken by private helicopter to a spot where multiple Stars Air ambulances could pick them up and rush them to various hospitals. Others were transported by ground ambulances. Witnesses tell Global News it appears there was a rock slide shortly before the crash. We were sort of parked facing the the, uh, the glacier, and um, you could still see you could still see dust. And you know, when we looked a little bit closer, you could still see some rocks sliding down the hill. So we're like, oh, there was a rock slide. And then, unfortunately, when we looked a little bit closer, then we saw also um, the rock slide took out one of the one of the snow coaches, and it ended up landing on its roof at the bottom. 
Witnesses also say staff ordered everyone out of the Icefield Center, saying it was a mandatory evacuation. They also saw several other shuttles stopped on the path to the Icefields. Police vehicles could be seen driving up near the crash Sunday morning. A spokesperson for the tour operator, Pursuit, said late Saturday the company will provide more information once it becomes available, but their thoughts are with the victims and supporting first responders. We're learning operations will be shut down until at least July 21st. The names of the victims are not being released. Investigators say they're still trying to figure out how this happened. Highway 93 is still open, but police are asking people not to stop. Reporting near the Columbia Icefields, Nicole Stilger, Global News. A man has been killed in an explosion and house collapse in Toronto's East End. The house was under construction and the man became trapped in the explosion's debris. Neighbours were trying to get him out before emergency crews arrived. No, one, uh, no word on what caused the explosion. The Ministry of Labour is now investigating. To Ottawa now, where Bloc Québécois leader Yves-Francois Blanchette hit back against an anonymous sexual misconduct allegation dating back to 1999. Blanchette spoke only in French, saying he has never acted the way that has been alleged and claiming the accusation was politically and ideologically motivated. He affirmed he does not plan to step aside as leader of the party. Blanchette's fellow Bloc Québécois MPs also released a statement of support today, saying we are convinced the anonymous allegations made against him are false and we support him without hesitation. It's the first time Blanchette has faced the media since the allegations from an unidentified woman appeared in a Facebook group last week. Blanchette demanded the Facebook group remove what he calls a defamatory post. This is the Portland Police Bureau. This is a residential area. An escalation of protests in Portland, Oregon, after fire erupted at a police union building. For weeks, mostly peaceful demonstrators have come out against police brutality, specifically federal agents deployed by the Trump administration who wear no badges or name tags. The masked, camouflaged federal officers have been using rounds, uh, have been rounding up demonstrators, even using tear gas and batons on them. At least 13 protesters have been arrested. Portland's mayor and Oregon's governor have denounced the crackdowns authoritarian tactics and are demanding they leave the city. Well, despite rising death rates in America, President Donald Trump continues to downplay the severity of the pandemic in his country and refutes the advice of his top medical doctor. And now that's starting to hurt him in the polls. I take responsibility always for everything because it's ultimately my job. President Trump told Fox News Sunday things were under control as two new polls showed a majority disapproving of his handling of the pandemic. This isn't burning embers, sir. This is a forest fire. No, no, but I don't say. I say flames. We'll put out the flames. Mr. Trump emphasized death rates, not cases or hospitalizations. And the president dismissed some of the advice from his own experts, like Dr. Anthony Fauci. One of your right-hand men, Daniel Daniel Scavina, put out this. (laughs) Have you seen this? This cartoon? Dr. Dr. Fawcett, who shows him as a leaker and an alarmist. Oh, I don't know that why, he's a, why would he's a little that? bit of an alarmist. This week, negotiations resume on the fourth phase of a coronavirus relief package, two Jackson, months after the House passed its own plan. On. The president says he wants liability protections for businesses and a payroll tax cut. I would consider not signing it if we don't have a payroll tax cut, yes. 
The president is also facing a tough fight for re-election. The same polls show him trailing former Vice President Biden by 15 points and eight respectively. I'm not losing because those are fake polls. Taking a wait-and-see approach come election day. Can you give a direct answer? You will accept the election? I have to see. Look, you, I have to see. No, I'm not going to just say yes. I'm not going to say no. And I didn't last time either. We're seeing a lot of creative ideas during the pandemic, like this one. Not your typical drive-in theater, but a physically distanced solution. People in Paris are able to watch movies from boats on the River Seine. There were 38 electric boats in total, each seating up to six people from the same bubble. Prince William listened to the concerns of homeless advocates this week. How big of a turnaround for her life is this place being having that support? And this is the Duke of Cambridge visiting a homeless shelter in central England. It comes as local authorities began moving homeless people into emergency accommodation in March at the start of the lockdown in the UK. Charities are now asking the government to take further action to provide everyone with permanent housing. The Light Project Centre has helped 130 people find shelter over the past few months. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. A Canada goose caught a lucky break earlier this week when it became stuck in Abbotsford. (laughs) After a brief struggle, the goose was freed Thursday after it became entangled in fishing net on Mill Lake. Conservation officers tied a rope to the boardwalk and swam out to the bird, cutting off the net, which had been wrapped around its legs and back. The goose swam away exhausted, but otherwise just fine. And another rescue to show you, but this one a little more dangerous. We're going to have that for you right after Yvonne's forecast. And Yvonne, uh, weather here was nice. Pretty weird out east, though. Yeah, for our neighbors out to the east, a different weather picture. Let's take a look. An ominous sky over Ontario as the summer storm moves across the province. Tornado warnings have now been lifted, but the risk of the severe thunderstorms remain in some areas. Strong winds, frequent lightning and torrential rain emerged after a cold front mixed with Ontario's intense humidity. Power outages affected more than 30,000 customers across the province over the weekend. So very different. It is easing off, but we've seen very warm temperatures uh, towards southern Ontario. For us, though, it is heating up, but a different weather picture across the south coast. We've had plenty of sunshine, a beautiful shot right now. We've got temperatures sitting still into the low 20s, but away from the water today with the Humidex, it was feeling closer to 30 degrees. We've got a northwesterly wind at 20 kilometers per hour. A few other numbers across the province into the low 30s for the southern interior. It'll be even hotter come Tuesday, Wednesday. The northeastern corners of the province today up to 22. And there is still a little bit of a blip in the forecast with some cloud cover, cooler conditions along the north. North Coast. Overnight tonight, we'll just have a few clouds. It'll still be windy for areas that are closer to the water, down to 16 degrees. Tomorrow morning with the mainly sunny sky, and then by the afternoon, temperatures 24 away from the water. It'll feel closer to 30 or 35 degrees. So a hot one in store, and the UV index at 9 or very high. Here's a system that is going to move in across the northern half of the province. We are going to see that moisture of the next wave picking up as early as the morning hours. So rainfall along the north, a few areas 
areas for the central coast. And this same wave of moisture is going to move in across the central interior late in the day with an increase in cloud cover. And a chance of showers could pop up towards the evening for all areas across the central interior. Just to the south of it, though, still remaining dry with plenty of sunshine. Now, the long-range forecast, sunny, dry. The peak of the heat will be for tomorrow across the south coast. As we approach Wednesday, Thursday, we'll have a partly cloudy sky, just a few clouds in the mix. And then even in towards our Friday, we still hang on to the dry trend. Here's a look at the numbers. So the peak of the heat for Metro Vancouver, away from the water, up to 30 degrees. Still a hot day on Tuesday, and then a bit of a reprieve. We'll be closer to the average as we approach midweek on Wednesday, Thursday. For example, the interior for Kelowna will still be into the low 30s and likely seeing the peak of the heat on Tuesday, Wednesday, and then a touch cooler towards the end on Thursday, Friday. Rainfall developing for the morning hours along the north coast. A cooler day with only highs up to 15 degrees. Northeastern corners will see a mix of sun and cloud. Central interior, it's a nice dry start to the morning. Increase in cloud cover. Showers pushing in late in the day. It'll be likely be towards the evening and temperatures bumping up to 25. Five degrees. Hot and sunny for all areas across the south coast. Whistler tomorrow climbing up to 31 degrees in areas near Kelowna and towards the south for a Soyuz. We are going to see the heat for all areas across the south coast. It'll be a touch cooler for a few spots that are by the water, but areas away tomorrow up to 30 degrees and with the humid X feeling like 35 degrees. Hot and sunny on Tuesday. A few clouds in the mix on Tuesday or Wednesday, Thursday, but still remaining dry. Temperature is a hot one for tomorrow, but we've got plenty of sunshine in the long range for the next five days. Colleen? Feels like summer. Thanks, Yvonne. Italy's Coast Guard went to the rescue of a sperm whale trapped in a fishing net north of Sicily. Boaters spotted the whale in trouble and called it in. After monitoring the whale overnight, Coast Guard divers began the delicate operation to free the whale with help from patrol boats and marine biologists. The whale was wrapped in the net and its state of agitation made the operation especially challenging. The sperm whale is the largest toothed whale on the planet and divers had to approach with extreme caution. Also, the whale's clicking sounds that you can hear a little bit of, they are so loud they can burst human eardrums. Yeah, mm. and that's why we work in television. A whale of a tail. Yeah. <laughs> Barry, what you got coming up? Uh, well, Whitecaps have uh, get something out of their match tonight against Seattle. At least a draw or else they'll likely be eliminated from the uh, MLS tournament down in Orlando. So we'll tee that up for you. Canucks are going to play another uh, inter-squad game tonight. Michael Furlan's going to play. A lot of people didn't think he would uh, play for the rest of the season, so we'll hear from him as well coming up. All right, looking forward to it. Thanks, Barry. The popular Italian Day on the Drive Festival has found a creative way to celebrate Italian culture while physical distancing. Today, the first surprise mobile street performance delighted onlookers along Commercial Drive. Now called the Italian Day on the Drive for Courage, organizers say instead of one big event, they'll be holding small pop-up events throughout the summer. It's part of the Coast Mental Health Spread Courage Not Fear campaign, which aims to shine a light on mental health during the pandemic. The need for positivity, the need for hope, and to also uplift people um, at this time is, is key. And music is one of the best ways to do that. And it was inspired by what the Italians did in Italy during a crisis. And they came out on the balconies and rooftops and shared their music and it touched everybody globally. 
to avoid crowds. They will not be publicizing when or where the next performance will be. But if you want to be sure not to miss out, you can head to the website and celebrate virtually. Well, staying with our Italian theme for a moment, there are high-risk jobs. And then there's this. Static testing of the new Genoa Bridge started today with trucks driving back and forth on the new structure. 54 articulated vehicles along with four self-propelled are being used for tests on the slip ramp connecting to a highway. Tests that could take nearly a week to complete. Included in is the brake testing where vehicles will all stop simultaneously at one defined point to test the ability of the bridge to withstand large weights horizontally. The old bridge collapsed in 2018, killing 43 people, hurling cars and trucks to the ground and prompting national outrage, especially against the bridge contractor. Hundreds of workers in a new consortium have been working day and night for more than a year to erect this new structure. Barry's here with sports, kicking things off with the Whitecaps. Yes, they are in desperate need of uh, something tonight. Thanks, Colleen. They uh, need to get some sort of result out of their match tonight in Orlando against Seattle if they want to have a decent hope of moving on to the knockout stage of the MLS's back tournament. At the very least, a draw would keep them alive. A win, obviously, would be much more desirable. The Caps are down a handful of key players like Lucas Cavallini, Toussaint Ricketts, and Freddie Montero, all opting not to make the trip due to health and personal concerns. It does have a huge effect on how Mark DeSantos manages the game with so much less depth. Of course, it's a struggle, but what I have to do right now is to really maximize uh, the guys that are here and make them play to the best of their ability and find a way that tactically it's very simple what's required because we don't have time to work. Whitecaps watching this match very closely. Chicago and San Jose are in their group, and both teams with a win already in the tournament. Second half, not much happening until Christian Espinoza finds an opening and drills at home. 1-0 earthquakes. That is the score with about 20 minutes to go in the second half. All right, FA Cup semifinal from Wembley. Manchester United-Chelsea, a clash of heads here between United teammates Harry Maguire and Eric Bertrand Bailey. Both were down a while. Bertrand Bailey left the game, did not return. Maguire stayed in. Because of that, there was over 10 minutes of added time in the first half, and Olivier Giroud takes advantage for Chelsea, squeezing this one past David De Gea, who had a miserable day in the United goal. That's 1-0 Chelsea, and then opening minute of the second half, Mason Mount pretty much seals the deal. Now this should never beat a professional goalkeeper, never mind one in the English Premiership. 2-0 Chelsea, they win 3-1, and the Blues, who are battling Man United for a Champions League spot in the EPL, advance to the FA Cup final versus Arsenal two weeks from today. Harry Kane and Tottenham end up, ended up help, helping both Chelsea and Man United today. Kane put on a goal-scoring show versus uh, Tottenham. Kane's first of the match, making it 2-0, or at least they took on Leicester City. And then Kane showing his world-class quality. A spectacular goal there. 3-0 the final. They move up to sixth. Leicester meets Man United next weekend in the final match of the season. Foxes could be dislodged from their Champions League position. 
The Canucks will play another inter-squad game tonight at Rogers Arena. Michael Furland will be in the lineup. He missed the first few days of camp but has now had a couple of practices and will play in the game tonight. Furland, who was a free agent signing last summer, has only played 14 games this season, hindered again by concussion issues. But he says he's healthy and ready to make an impact for the Canucks in their series versus Minnesota, which starts two weeks from tonight. Yeah, just the stimulation, you know, seeing a bunch of bodies moving around, going at full speed, getting my heart rate up. It's, uh, you know, it's that's what I need. Uh, you know, I just need a... Um, rewire my vestibular system and um, you know I like I said I don't have I haven't had any symptoms but I just need to continue to you know get 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 out there with more bodies and full pace and contact and so it's going to be more of a a conditioning state for myself getting you know with contact because it's a lot harder than just normal practice so um, yeah it's uh, more about just getting my body into it and my legs and everything else. Final round of the Memorial, Tiger Woods' first tournament since golf's restart. Tough conditions this week at Muirfield Village. More like a U.S. Open, hard and fast, very difficult. Tiger shot four over 76 today, but did make this nice birdie at 16. Tiger finished tied for 40th at six over. Ontario's Mackenzie Hughes from 68 feet on the par 3 12th. And this is spectacular. An incredible birdie that not only gave Hughes a tie for sixth, but he also qualifies for the U.S. Open with that finish. Hughes, one of just nine players to break par in the tournament, finishing at three under. He won 325,000. Adam Hadwin, by the way, 81, finished 54th at plus nine. Spaniard John Rahm strolling along with an eight-shot lead through nine holes, but then it came apart. Bogeyed the 11th and then tee shot on the par five. Rom's Spanish temper coming through, pounds his club into the ground after he drove it into the hazard, made double bogey. His lead way down to three, but on 16 from the deep rough, Rom makes an incredible shot as he holds it out for birdie. But upon further review, when addressing the ball, watch it move. That's a two-stroke penalty. It was added after his round, but it didn't affect the final result. He won by three. Rom takes the memorial in the process, becomes the new world number one, joining the legendary Seve Ballesteros as the only Spaniard to reach that lofty goal. By the way, Jack, Nicholas revealed today that he and his wife Barbara both tested positive for COVID-19 back in March, but the two 80-year-olds are fully recovered and healthy. Hungarian Grand just prior to the start of the race, Red Bull crew working like mad to get Max Verstappen's car back on the starting grid after he put it into the wall during warm-up laps, but they did repair it in time for the start. On the start, Lewis Hamilton on the pole got off to a good start, but his teammate Valtteriu Bottas gets passed by Canadian Lance Stroll, and uh, Bottas wound up finishing third. Canada's Nicholas Latifi had trouble with the slick track. They had some rain early in uh, Budapest as he will spin out a couple of times. Latifi did finish the race, but finished at the back of the pack in 19th. Now, fellow Canadian Lance Stroll was running as high as second before pitting. Another strong ride for the 20-year-old, just missing out on a podium placing as he finished fourth and won some big points. Have to think it's only a matter of time before he breaks through big time. Class of the field, once again, Lewis Hamilton takes the checkered flag nine seconds ahead of second-place finisher Max Verstappen. Eighth Hungarian Grand Prix for him. 86th career victory, now just five behind Michael Schumacher's all-time mark of 91.
and NASCAR O'Reilly Auto Parts 500 from Texas Motor Speedway in Fort Worth. Austin Dillon in the number three Chevy will bring this one home, holding off his rookie teammate Tyler Reddick on the restart. Joey Logano was third. With the win, Dillon automatically qualifies for the NASCAR Cup playoffs. It's his third career victory. His other two wins are big ones, the Daytona 500 and the Coca-Cola 600. Now that's it for sports. Colleen, back to you. Can't watch that without thinking Talladega Nights. Time now for our nightly thanks to our healthcare heroes. Who is it tonight, Yvonne? Tonight we are honoring Christy Pregidas. Uh, Christy manages the medical device reprocessing department at both Ridge Meadows and Langley Memorial Hospital. She manages two sites and works tirelessly to ensure the N95 masks are reprocessed to keep the frontline workers safe. She is a very supportive manager and has incredible knowledge and experience in sterilizing surgical instruments. She looks after the staffing, equipment and supplies to just name a few. So thank you, Christy, and your team. If you have a healthcare hero to nominate, email us a few pictures to BC Healthcare Heroes at globalnews.ca and tell us why they are your hero. Congratulations, Christy, and thanks, Yvonne. Healthcare and long-term care staff have been instrumental in providing treatment and comfort to those who contract COVID-19. And that's the case for the family of Gerald Ryder, who passed away on May 16th at his care home. His daughter cherishes the memory of a man known for his generosity and sense of humor. My dad was um, Gerald William Ryder, and he went by Jerry his whole life. Uh, he was born on January 14th, 1939, so he was 81 years old. Super, super quick-witted uh, man, like with great humor everywhere he went, he could catch on real quick to what was going on and have everybody laughing. He would do anything for anybody. Over the years, we had endless people, endless family, endless friends living with us, with their kids or by themselves, because my dad could never turn away anybody that needed help. He taught me lots of lessons about how to be a good family person, how to put family first. And so, and how to put your spouse first. Him and my mom were married for well over 60 years. And he always put her first. She always put him first. And I learned that from him. And unfortunately, it was his floor that got it. Um, the nurses did a really great job of looking after him. He, he felt at home there. I was able to talk to him on the phone quite often, but they cut off visits, of course, in, in the seniors' homes. So I was able to talk to him on the phone, and I had a final um, FaceTime chat with him on April 30th, and he died on May 16th. I want him to be remembered as so much more than a COVID-19 statistic. I want him to be remembered as a man who put his family first and um, his family and his friends first and loved life. Oh, to honor the lives lost during and the people affected by the pandemic, Global News has compiled memories of loved ones. So to read more, visit globalnews.ca. Such a lovely tribute and just a reminder of the many, many wonderful people that we have lost to this insidious disease. Hopefully we will find a cure and a prevention for it soon. We're going to switch gears now. Uh, a BC interior man is celebrating his 80th birthday in style. Have a look. <laughs> oh yeah, this is 
Rob Wheeler showing off his decades of water skiing skills at his home near Shushwap Lake. His family cheering him on from the boat and the shore as he speeds through the wake. Bob is clearly not only young at heart, he's in pretty good shape too, wouldn't you say? Yeah. I think he uh, could beat us out on the water bear. Yeah, we saw that last night. I think he could jump the shark if he had to. With the uh, air time he was getting there across that way. I suspect so. We've got a bit of a nice uh, water ski weather coming up, right? Absolutely, in the next few days. Looking forward to it. That is the news hour for tonight. Sarah McDonald will be here at 11 o'clock. Thanks for joining us and have a good night.